Hey everyone, welcome to the Grabs Podcast, where we bring the stories of real life rescues to you firsthand from those involved. I'm your host today, Grant. With me, I've got Captain Joey Baxa. He's a captain in Buckhannon Fire, and that's in West Virginia. And we're going to be talking about a grab that was made November 27th, 2021. So uh, welcome, Captain. How you doing? Uh, doing pretty good. How about yourself, Grant? Good. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and about your department before we get started on the grab. All right, so I am a 17-year uh, member of the Buchanan Fire Department. I uh, worked there uh, since I started my career, started as a volunteer. I uh, currently hold the rank of captain. I've uh, held positions ranging from training officer uh, to accreditation manager and, and various other positions. Uh, also travel around the country and teach with Insight Fire Training, as you know, with uh, Chief Andy Starnes and, and the rest of the cadre, and uh, teach locally with uh, Western University Fire Service Extension. Um, a lot of, lot of time spent teaching thermal imaging and just uh, basic fire ground skills. That's cool. The, uh, thermal imaging comes up so much when we're when we're talking about these, and sometimes it helps, sometimes it doesn't. And uh, so I can't wait to dive into this. Uh, but tell us a little bit more, more about your department, about like the search culture, like how many rigs you've got, what you guys are getting right. on a first yeah. alarm, and you know that stuff. So we're 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 combination department. Um, you know, it's really interesting where I first started back in 06, we were one career staff backed up by 40 some volunteers. And we ran about 240 calls a year. Um, fast forward to today, we're three career firefighters per shift. So a total of nine, we run three shifts, 2448 platoons, uh, paid fire chief. And we're backed up by only about nine volunteers. And we're running between 12 and 1300 calls a year. We cover 54 square miles, um, that's everything from a 2.9 square mile urban setting that is, uh, dates back to the late 1800s, all the way out to very rural remote areas. Um, everything from 10, 15,000 square foot homes, private four-year college, industrial complexes, commercial buildings to mobile home parks. So we got a pretty wide, wide array of buildings and uh, population that we cover. Uh, out of one firehouse, um, everybody, everybody that's in the firehouse rides the engine first out, backed up by off-duty callbacks and um, volunteers bringing the truck or whatever other engines are needed. We run automatic aid with every department in our county, being the only career staff in the county. We end up running a lot of other people's fires uh, and making, making first lines in, things such as that. Uh, search culture is, has really increased in the last several years. You know, back in... Uh, I'd say 20, I think it was 2019. Um, we realized that, you know, we, we had a lot of improvement to do. Um, started diving into some things. Uh, that's where I first read about some, some of your stuff that you, you've uh, put out in the past and uh, some other guys across the country. And we ended up having uh, Thomas Anderson, who I, I teach with through Insight, come up and, and do a class. And we ended up having three college dorm buildings, one of which was like an apartment style layout, like low income apartment style. And then two that were just uh, your typical dorm rooms. So we did two days worth of search evolutions in those buildings under um, simulated live fire conditions, no actual fires per se, but we had everything contained to burn barrels to where we had the, the heat and the smoke. And uh, that was really where our search culture really started to take off inside the department. And uh, you started to see just a change in the attitude of the guys and, and um, 
I would say that it's not where we want it to be, but it's it's definitely a heck of a lot better than it was a decade ago. Um, how are you, how are you, I know you do the, the tech stuff. How do you implement that, um, with your guys, with your crews? So we are very, we're very tech heavy. We actually have typically we'll have three on our first out rigs. Everybody has their own decision-making camera. Um, we don't rely on situation awareness cameras, just being minimally staffed. Um, we want to give everybody the most information they can, because a lot of our guys, especially our engineers will end up. Um, which our lieutenants will end up operating by themselves on the fire ground. So while, you know, while the, uh, the officer and the, whoever's in the backseat may stretch that first line in, they may go around, they may VES a room by themselves. They may, uh, they may be your OV. Uh, so they, they're kind of, they're, I say they're the ultimate freelance position on the, on the fire ground. It's very atypical what you'd see in a lot of other um, bigger cities. That's cool. Uh, I feel like this is a contrast to the majority of the the podcasts we do on this because, you know, so many departments are so resource heavy and you guys just are not. So uh, maybe we, we hit that a little bit towards the end. But um, why don't you take us to November 27th, 2021 and tell us about the grab you guys made? Yeah, so it's it's quite interesting how it all started. You know, we uh, we actually were so close to shift change. And shift changed our our house is a little bit more relaxed than it is a lot of places. Um, the the three of us that were actually on duty were still in the bunk, um, about to get off in like five ten minutes, and the tone started dropping. And um, I think it was six fifty seven was actually the the documented time of dispatcher the time we went and route in the morning. So what was pretty cool is that meant we actually had some others in station that were coming on shift right. So we had a fire shift change. Um, I remember and we still joke around about today a little bit as I'm as I'm getting out of my bunk going towards the rig. They they say it's fully involved um, structure inside the city limits. It's less than uh, it's probably three quarters of a mile from firehouse. And uh, I'm thinking there is no way at six fifty seven in the morning we have a a house fully involved. I mean it's a block away, not even a block away from the uh, EMS building. So there's been traffic by this place. To my surprise, uh, it really it, it wasn't fully involved, but it was very well involved upon our arrival. But we didn't get the at the initial dispatch. We weren't told there was entrapment. Um, you know, we're we're probably halfway there, a little over halfway there before we get any sort of report of entrapment. Of course, we we do searches as as we can on everything. It's not obviously we're not splitting and there's not a primary and a fire attack going at the same time, but. We always, we always make sure the building gets a search regardless. Um, but, you know, that definitely changed, changed some things for us, especially on our way there. Since the shift change fire, we actually had four in the engine um, on our way there. There was actually two others uh, that were very close behind us that uh, ended up staffing our, our tower, our supplement tower. Um, and they weren't, I, I don't know the exact timestamp, but they weren't too far behind us. So... We pull on scene. There's four of us. Uh, we come off the rig with everything we need. Uh, actually, masked up since reports confirmed entrapment. That's not something we would typically do, but we we did it that morning. And uh, as I get off the rig, I'm I'm meted by somebody from EMS that uh, that says, you know, there's an elderly lady in the house. There's already three other patients that are out: uh, mom, dad, and baby. And grandma is inside in a back bedroom first floor so I'm, i turn and look at the house and i don't know if you saw any pictures of it but uh you know the, the whole the whole front porch is rocked off there there's uh smoke and flames from the second floor 
uh, A side. There's uh, flames emitting from the uh, be the Bravo side of the first floor and Delta side of the first floor. But looking at the house, you know, I'm looking at them saying, well, that that side, Charlie, there's not as much not as much fire invo- involvement. Um, since there was four of us, we kind of divided up uh, before we even got off the rig. I, I grabbed one of the other uh, firefighters in the back that's now a lieutenant. He's firefighter first class at the time um, and, and said, hey, you're, you're going to come with me. We're going we're gonna to go search and take care of the primary while uh, Maria stretches a uh, line to the alpha side and knocks down what she can. And our my driver, John Vernoli, is going to help her. Um, they ended up deck gunning the front of the house. And uh, Maria, with uh, the help of John and a couple others, stretched a uh, two-inch line, and and she made entry by herself with two-inch flow on 200 gallon a minute to knock down the bulk of the fire. So that just kind of sets the stage upon arrival. Um, you got any questions so far, Grant? No, we're good. Okay, so you know we uh, Ethan and I go around to uh, side Charlie. Um, make our way through a uh, entry. It's kind of on the Bravo Charlie corner and enter into the kitchen and looking at the house from the outside, I knew that the back bedroom had to be to our left. You know, I make the scan as soon as I come in a thermal imaging camera, locate that door. We go straight to it. Doors closed. So I'm thinking, Hey, this is, this is great. We're, we're not taking a lot of heat where we're at. We're kind of in a, in a mudroom laundry room area beginning into the kitchen, open the door, shut the door behind us. He goes out in front, searches that room. Um, I went in with him initially because typically, if, you know, if we think somebody's in there, we're both going to bail into that same room. And um, he searches the whole room. I search the, other than the left-hand side of the bed. I catch the left-hand side of the bed. We both come up empty. This room had very little smoke in it. Like we could, we could see each other from about three or four feet away. Um, you know, looking afterwards, the room almost looked pristine. If uh, she'd have been in there, it would have been easy grab out a window, probably very little injuries to her, minimal injuries. But she wasn't in that room. So uh, we come back out into the kitchen. And uh, as as I as I come out the door, I remember laying down, feeling around, trying to find some, some other doors, see what's around there. Maybe she had came out of that room and, and became incapacitated somewhere. I uh, didn't find her, picked up my camera, went to scan. Ethan goes out in front of me, kind of leapfrogs me, uh, starts searching in through the kitchen into the living room area. I remember finding the basement door, opened it, felt stairs, closed it back, um, did not get down there. And as he got out in front of me, and as I was scanning with my camera, my camera started to switch from uh, high sense to low sensitivity. And right as it switched, I, I remember him yelling back at me saying, "It, it it's hot. Like, I can't remember his exact words. They probably weren't appropriate but he uh he, he said he said i can't i can't make that push and um sure enough they where the camera lit up the uh the probably about the four foot markup was orange on a FLIR k series camera and yellow from there down um so that's you know that's anywhere from three to six hundred below the four foot level and above six six to nine uh four foot and up so at this point my heart kind of sinks because i'm thinking you know this is this isn't good for any victim number one and number two we're kind of held up here in the kitchen and uh, about that time I, I in the corner of the uh the side of the screen on the camera i see the front door somebody come through the front door and that's when our maria made entry with that two inch line and just absolutely obliterated any heat in that living room it literally it literally felt like air conditioning um in the back of that house just just how the heat dropped and everything um, 
from that point, Ethan bailed back out into where he was into that living room area. And, uh, I went to the, uh, towards, towards Maria. We're looking for the stairwells, two story house and, uh, looking, looking for the stairwell. So I go towards Maria. She yells at me. Of course, she's the only one that has an air pack on, um, from the outside since the engineer was getting dressed out and, uh, the other truck had not arrived yet. And, uh, she said, I'm, I need, need some more hose. So since I'm geared up, I go to the doorway, grab a, uh, grab a loop of hose and pull it inside the door for her and turn and scan from there and locate the stairwell. So I go straight to the stairwell, tell her, Hey, I'm going upstairs. Uh, while I went upstairs, Ethan had kind of came behind me and searched that area that I, that I bypassed. Um, and as I went up the stairs, uh, Maria said, she turned around, she said every, she said it was just an orange glow after you went up them. And uh, I wish I had a way to put up some pictures for you, but all the banisters were burned out of the stairwell. Um, the treads on the stairwell were actually charred in some places. And um, it just, it really, you know, to, to go back and look at it afterwards, look at the amount of fire damage and knowing what I was seeing from a thermal severity standpoint, it, it really is amazing how this ends up turning out. Um, I get to the second floor at the top of the landing. I take another scan with my camera, um, see three doors. Uh, there end up being a fourth kind of behind me, but I remember seeing three doors. First one I go into, um, it's a bathroom. Door was partially open. Um, didn't find anything in there uh, except for a dead dog. Found another dead dog between the bathroom and the next bedroom door. So the next bedroom door is kind of interesting because I go in, find another dead dog that's partially under the bed, uh, partially out. Nobody on the bed, nobody on the floor. Um, room's pretty full. There's not a lot of space in there for, for somebody to be occupying smaller bedroom i come back out and between that bedroom and the next bedroom window i hear somebody come over the radio and it being another captain that had arrived on the truck and say that he thought he just saw somebody come out of a window and they were on the porch so porch roof so i go into the next bedroom window thinking that that's probably where she had came out of since the other one was clean and the windows were, were all closed. So I ended up taking one of them to get on the porch roof. She has no recollection of any of this. So to talk to her and find out what happened and when she had actually came out on that porch roof, we don't know. But what we can surmise based on she was looking for her dogs is that she had actually been in that bathroom that I searched and came out, went into that, said that bedroom that I searched, it didn't have a room. And that we looking back we believe the uh the the master string the deck gun actually took that window and between coming out of the bathroom and me going into that room she actually made her way out of the out of the window onto the porch roof and they weren't able to see her for the smoke until i had actually came back out of that room um so i i come out we meet up on the porch roof and you know there again you know she's she had got her way there um so, you know, I'm thinking again, you know, I'm like, man, this is, this is good. You know, we, we, we've got to her, we're on porch roof. Um, uh, John Bernoulli, the engineer actually already had a ladder coming up there. I'm like, this is going to be easy peasy. Um, she's not talking to me, you know, just kind of set the stage a little bit. There's, there's still fire behind us burning. Um, they're putting a second line on the, they're putting the second line up to the second floor. Um, and she's not able to talk. Faces sooted up, hair's black. 
she's using accessory muscles to breathe. Like she's, she's alive, but you know, just looking at her from, from running EMS, she's not, she's not doing well. Um, prognosis is not great. So I think I go down to the, uh, the extension ladder 24 that, uh, John had thrown, um, before I touch it, I kind of turn around to her to try to motion for her to crawl my way. And, um, as I reach up and lay my hand on the ladder, I get electrocuted and thinking, well, maybe the base of it's on something on the ground that the guys didn't see, or maybe a gutter's energized. I, I yell down at them and they reset the ladder, try to move it off everything, check the area. Don't see anything. Tell me it should be good. I reach out, I get electrocuted a second time. Um, and that's, that's where it really starts to get interesting because now we're on the porch roof, what we thought was easy, you know, nothing's going as planned. Um, immediately they're, they're putting, bringing the platform off the tire up to the porch roof. Uh, they make sure that it's setting like three feet above the porch roof to where it's not on anything, completely clear wires um, outside of there. And uh, again, thinking, hey, we got this whipped get her down close to me and I reach out and put my hand on the platform and I get probably shocked the hardest I've ever been shocked in my life. Um, pretty sure I pissed myself just to be honest with you. I mean, it was, it was that hard. And, um, so I didn't, I didn't know what was going on at that point. Um, I even, uh, sat and thought for a minute and I thought, well, if I can jump up into the bucket and break my ground with the roof and then just grab a hold of her and heave her up in there, um, we'll at least get her out of the situation because I knew she needed to get off there fast. And uh, as I went to do that, actually, they, there's video of me off police body cam, jump, body cam jumping into the bucket. And I turn around to grab her and she reaches up and grabs the bucket and she gets shocked. And that is the one thing she actually has memory of now after talking to her. Um, she remembers getting shocked by the platform on the aerial. Um, she with everything she had pushed away and crawled away from that thing to where it really ruined that opportunity. So I come back out of the platform, get on the roof and, uh, you know, just kind of looking around, looking at all the smoke and looking at her and, you know, it's when you're sitting there looking at somebody face to face that, that really in the back of your mind, you know, is dying, you know, they're, they're alive, but they're dying in front of you. Um, so I, I, I realized, you know, with it, with the smoke and the steam coming out of the house behind us and, and the, the heat that she was probably taking, I start to take my mask off. Um, and originally it was just to buy her time. That's all for just, Hey, let's just, let's isolate her airway from the environment. Let's, let's try to give her some relief to where she's not, not breathing in the, those superheated gases or the toxic gases. And, uh, so I do that and, yeah, that time John Bernoulli, it's really, it's neat to watch on the camera. It's pretty impressive. He comes up onto the roof with me, climbs the ground ladder that, that that's, has electric on it, and uh, his hands never touch it. He literally climbs it with his hands up in the air, standing straight up, just walks right up the ladder to the roof um, to, to, to try to help me and see what we can do. And as he got up there, I remember looking back into the window that I had came out of and... Uh, I could see a, a flashlight on a firefighter. So I knew that the, it had somewhat cleared out. They had made progress on the second floor. And um, so I looked at him and I said, we're, we're going back through there. I don't, I don't know what's going on with the electric. We're going, we're going back through the second floor and we're going out. And um, he, uh, which it was another idea that, that would have worked, but in the, the state of mind I was in and, and ready to get her off there, I didn't listen to him really, but he said, Hey, let me bring you a rip pack and you put your air pack back on. 
And um, I, I told him we, we weren't going to do that. We we're just going to go. So I did. I uh, brought her back through the window by myself. Um, ended up, when I stepped through the window, I was on a bed and didn't realize it and fell off the bed where I went to step down, fell with her in my arms. Um, another firefighter heard me, came and helped me up. And uh, he ended up helping me kind of stabilize myself as, as we carried her down the stairs and, and carried her out. Um, she ended up living. Um, she's still alive today, still with us, um, fighting some medical problems. She had second and third degree burns to over 33% of her body. Um, they really did not think she was going to make it when she got there. Her airway was severely damaged, severely burned. She now has a trach. Um, but you know what, Grant? She's uh, the picture I cherish the most. And I said this at Firehouse Expo, you know, this year, whenever uh, our unit got the unit citation there, that uh, we've we've glorified forever, you know, the pictures of firefighters bringing victims out of windows or carrying them out of houses. Or, you know, I grew up looking at Kevin Shea's rope rescue at FDNY. And those are great. We should glorify those. We should. That's what our job's all about. But you know, the real win is whenever her daughter, who I went to high school with, sent me a picture of her uh, her mom getting to uh, spend a day with her grandson again. And uh, that just, that sent chills down my spine. Like, that's that's what this is about. That's the 72 days I spent off work with an inhalation injury and probably hydrogen cyanide and carbon monoxide poisoning. That was, that made it all worth it was for her to, her to have that moment again with her grandchildren. So. No kidding. That's that's cool. Yeah, that's that that's the story. <laughs> so after the fact, did you figure out what happened with this with the whole electric? I have never been given an, an answer as to what was going on. Uh, what I can tell you is that uh, some of the investigation team told me that the power company had taken more equipment than normal. So I don't know if there was some sort of uh, power issue coming the on the main coming in uh somebody said it was possible they thought that one of the uh, lines had actually fused to the house into that porch area um somehow the only thing we do know is it was not the ladder that was energized it was the house and me and whenever i was touching the ladder i was grounding myself so that's i i was basically the source of the electricity i was grounding myself to it wow that's cool not cool. I've never heard that before, but I'm, <laughs> I'm sure, you know, that's the cool part. This is like episode 117. And, you know, I talked to a lot of folks and they pick up on one thing and it, it's crazy that we don't have to live that same experience to recognize. I'm sure there's somebody out there at some point that's going to recognize this and, and it'll, it'll, they'll think about this, this podcast and be like, Hey, you know, what, what Captain Baxa do? Like, Oh, okay. You know, it just, we don't need to experience everything firsthand. So that's cool. Uh, back to like more of the grabs type stuff. When you were getting her back through the house, what was that like? I mean, was she small? Or was she fighting you? Was she going with you? Or, or how was that? She she was not fighting me at all. She was very, I mean, just the proper word to be submissive, whatever I needed her to do. You know, she, she, of course she did. She couldn't control herself much. I mean, she was fairly weak. Yeah. Um, I, I had her cradled, you know, her airway, her airways was protected with my mask on now. So I had her cradled in my arms. Um, and it, it really wasn't too bad. Like I said, down to, you know, learning, learning point from it and something that I think we all kind of know, but you know, you're more stable trying to move somebody when you're down low and you're up walking in that environment, don't know what you're going to trip over, what you're going to step on. And now you're top heavy because you, you're cradling somebody else in your arms. 
Um, you know, like whenever I missed that step coming off the bed, like I had no chance of staying on my feet, um, which wasn't good for her and wasn't good for me. So, <laughs> uh, bringing her back down the stairwell, you know, that was, uh, thank goodness I had help because I probably would have fell back down the stairwell. So uh, it was, it was a good thing that he was there to, to, to give me a hand. Um, my eyes were burning obviously cause I didn't have a mask on. So my eyes were pretty well closed the whole time. So that didn't help things either. No kidding. What, so, um, so as you, you know, we're three years, three years past almost on this call, what, uh, what takeaways or what, ha- what are you doing different, uh, post this? How, how, what are you highlights of sharing this story to other folks and, and people you work with? Yeah. So, you know, really, I, I'll tell you one thing that I think that it's done for the department as a whole, just, just from talking to everybody and, we weren't necessarily being, being light staffed, you know, we're not necessarily attached to each other at the hip anyways, because we're so used to having to just break free and do things independently just to get the job done. I mean, that's, that's how, that's how it happens for us. But, you know, I I probably wouldn't have told you that I would freely go up to a second floor by myself, especially in those conditions uh, to do a primary. And it, it worked out. I'm not going to say it's necessarily the, the best thing to, to preach in the world, but uh, to, to be that far away from people and break that accountability per se. But, you know, definitely our department as a whole is not afraid to put a little bit of distance between each form of the search. Um, we don't, we don't feel like, not that we necessarily babysat each other to begin with, but, you know, our split searches have got a lot further apart. Let's just say that, <laughs> um, that just, just to clear rooms and everything. That's good. Yeah, I, and I'm sure some people are probably interested to hear, uh, more about how you guys do that kind of stuff with the limited staffing and maybe not even necessarily how you run your calls, but how you get to the point where people are more comfortable putting distance between themselves. So I love that you brought yeah. that up. So, yeah. So, you know, and I know you've probably just, especially since you keyed in on that, you've probably ran into this when our you teach search and stuff too, is, you know, it's a comfort thing for people. And, you know, I, I know whenever we talk about the different types of search, whenever we're teaching, you know, it, it, it become I'm very pro split search, but it getting people to that point, whenever you're in other departments, um, especially when we're doing like our, our thermal imaging train, the trainers, and we're, we're on the day where we're covering search, um, and how to properly integrate that into a search. It, um, people are like, well, you know, I'm okay if I'm with my normal crew to do a split search, but if, if I'm with somebody, I don't know, I don't, I'm not comfortable enough to do that. And, um, I, I think the big thing for us and I'm hoping that, that, that gives us that level of comfort. I think part of it is we're so intimately familiar with each other because we're a small department. So we're used to swapping out more. We're comfortable working with everybody within our own organization. But the other part to it is too, and I'm hoping we're going to get here as a fire service is that everybody has their own eyes back. You know, we, we, we use decision-making cameras in everybody's hands. So the, the fear of disorientation starts to decrease with that because now I can pick up my camera that has a 320 by 240 high resolution sensor and I can see accurately for 15 feet. So the amount of space that I can, I can look back and see somebody else moving in the hallway or into another room, or I can look ahead and know the layout of the room and not have to have that communicated or be flying blind ahead of me, which there's nothing wrong with that. We've, we've built a skill set to use our hands, but I think that we could all agree that if we have a mental image of what's in front of us, we're going to move more swiftly through the, through the, uh, the space 
And we're also going to feel a little bit more confident in occupying, especially for a less seasoned, less experienced firefighter. Yeah, no doubt. Um, if anybody wants to get a hold of you to find out more, uh, whether it's doing any of the thick stuff, whether it's uh, you know how you guys are running running stuff in your department, what's the easiest way for them to do that? So they can they can follow me, message me on on uh, Facebook, which it's Instructor Joey Baxa is my my Facebook page. Um, or I'll tell you what, they can just call me. My cell phone number is 304-613-7654. Well, very cool. Well, I appreciate you uh, sharing your story today, reaching out. I know we went back and forth trying to get this one recorded for a little while, but uh, uh, it's cool. I, I love not knowing what I'm going to hear on the podcast. So uh, this this one shocked me, <laughs> you know, pun, pun, <laughs> pun intended there. All right. Um, and, and if anybody out there uh, is listening, um, what we want you to do is go to Firefighter Rescue Survey, fill out that survey if you get a grab. Uh, that information is for us, by us, and I think it's really making a difference in the fire service. Uh, if you want to help bring these numbers to life through uh, sharing your story, get a hold of me, Grant Schwalbe, um, Facebook, grantschwalbe at gmail.com or 239-898-0843. Nick Ladine or Justin McWilliams, uh, if you can catch them, any of us are going to record these. And uh, until next time, I just really uh, encourage you guys to be aggressive and keep spreading the word.